Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Elementary, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) Whoever the fuck you are, my dear Rodney. (laughs) That's right. Which one am I? Am I Holmes or Watson? Uh, Probably Holmes. (laughs) We today... Since we've already given it away today, we are talking about the seminal Sherlock Holmes story, The Hound of the Baskervilles. Yes, uh, the this was first Scooby Doo mystery. Well, I don't know if it was the first one, but definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely very Scooby Doo like, and you can see the influences on Scooby Doo. Uh, this novel was written in what was it, 1901? Yeah, this was, um, well, I guess. He wanted it to be a later period, but it ended up being a middle period uh, Sherlock Holmes story. Mm-hmm. Um, because this was written after he had already killed the character off. Yep. Um, he had he had killed Holmes off in the in the final problem. And due to fan outcry, uh, Holmes or uh, Doyle wrote this Holmes novel, The Hound of the Baskervilles. The third uh, of the four Holmes novels. Correct. Uh, serialized in the Strand. Right. As everything was. I mean, that was Sherlock Holmes' home. That's right. Back in the day, you could get good fiction in the newspaper. Right. Now, this is the story of a visitor to Holmes and Watson's house. Uh, they start with that. Holmes yeah, so- deducing the identity of their visitor. Uh, because he's left his walking stick behind. Yeah, they, I mean, that's like pretty standard Holmes stuff uh, by this point. I think that was an early form of, um, what do you call it, um, fan service. Mm. <laughs> right, you have to, you have, to have Holmes. Because, no, well, seriously, because at this point, uh, Holmes was officially dead. Mm-hmm. Um, killed by Moriarty in the final problem. And brought back by popular demand. People had read two novels and two books of short stories at this point. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff written about Sherlock Holmes. Right. So, a lot, and and this story, I think probably one of the reasons why this is a very popular story is because there is a lot of nods to. Uh, just the Holmesian style in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for, he deduces everything about this guy, um, Dr. Uh, what was his name? Mortimer. Dr. Mortimer, you know, from Jump Street. Right. He, uh, he, he basically calls Watson an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You are not a luminous, but you are a conductor of light. He thought it was a compliment, but no, no. I'm going to I'm going to write out insult you, Doctor Watson. Your your idiocy is actually giving me an idea of what actually may have happened. Right, right. I, I love I love your know, your wrong answers being given to me. Right. So and and this what it took place before Watson got married, which is weird because in in you know canon. Watson got married um, at the end of in, in timeline at the end of uh, the sign of the four. Mm-hmm. So, which was the second novel and the second thing written by Sherlock Holmes. So 
just like a, a lot of weird things happening. It's kind of weird because it's completely out of timeline. And usually when you get that out of timeline thing, uh, it's revealed that, you know, it was he couldn't talk about this. He couldn't um, publish this particular mystery because, you know, uh, it was international conspiracies and mm. what do you, just like shit like that, you know, important people would go down. Right. <laughs> There'd be incidents and, and even war. Right. Right. Now this one is actually kind of interesting in the fact that it's not just a case report written by Watson. Uh, there it is. There's also a bit of a found footage aspect to it as it also includes, uh, quotes from Watson's journals and telegraphs to Sherlock Holmes as Holmes is absent throughout a majority of this book. Yes. Which is really weird because this is the story that brought back Sherlock Holmes by popular demand. This was your young justice season three, mm -hmm. your Futurama on, right. on, um, on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, th that's what this was. And right. To, to reward them for, you know, just being fans and, and clamoring for, for homes, he wrote a story that pretty much doesn't have any homes in it. Right. Which is, that's the interesting part of the whole thing. Uh, so, so the general plot of the story is this Dr. Mortimer comes to see Holmes and Watson uh, with a rather fantastic tale. It seems the previous uh, Sir Baskerville had been found dead, uh, died of fright, apparently. Um, next to his corpse was the footprint of a large hound. Yeah. And now on the Baskervilles. Well, on Dartmoor. In Dartmoor, yep. Uh, in Devonshire. Is, yes, which is uh, where there are countless tales of huge spectral dogs, um, hellhounds. I mean, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And people at the time would know about these folklore. Right. Exactly. In fact, folklore. in fact, I, the first time I read this book, I was in uh, second grade. And due to this story, one of my particular favorite pieces of folklore is the black dog myth. And it's partially due to Hound of the Baskervilles. Um, my second favorite piece of folklore is the Phantom Hitchhiker. There you go. Okay. Rodney trivia. <laughs> Large March. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the opposite. <laughs> now, the Baskervilles come with such a legend as one of their ancestors was a particularly notorious villain. Uh, yes. And this is the family curse that uh, the the Baskervilles are haunted by this spectral hound. Yes, he drunkenly tried to uh, rape a woman on the moors and uh, made a deal with, with uh, the devil, I guess, that he would be able to do this. Right. And uh, his punishment was um, he and the rest of his, and his descendants would be cursed by this this uh, giant spectral hound. Right. However, you know, why, why didn't he just make the, uh, the deal to be able to play the blues? Didn't have the blues back then. Well, he could have invented the blues. He was British. Wasn't happening. 
Hey, that didn't stop hey. the Brits from taking it over. What? <laughs> okay, uh, you know what? They've, there's a period where they did a very good job <laughs> rock and yes. rolling up the blues and exporting it to America. And I'm not going to deny them that. Mm. But they didn't invent shit. Right. <laughs> no, they stole it. Well, steal is a, they is a nasty word. They made it. They, it you know, they played it and made it their own. And and you know, speaking of which, one of the forerunners of the British invasion blues um, were, were the Yardbirds, which later morphed into Led Zeppelin, which has a song about a black spectral dog mm-hmm. called Black Dog. Yep. Probably influenced as well by The Hound of the Baskervilles, which everyone has read this book, I think. Yeah, possibly, but I don't know what I've been told, but a big leg woman ain't got no soul. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about that. <laughs> so Holmes, of course, believing this is complete and total rubbish, uh, there's no such thing as spectral hounds. There's no... Yeah, he, uh, he's not even he, He's not even willing to give it a give that theory a shake. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why we don't see a lot of homes in this story. Right. Because one of the keys of this story, unlike almost anything else I've ever read about, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes original canon is uh, it, there's no supernatural. It's, you know, it's detective stories. Some of them are weird, but there's nothing supernatural happening. And it's not even hinted at in any of the other stories. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he tries to ratchet up this this sense of um, you know haunting and fear and folklore, and I don't think he could have done that with Holmes present. Right. No, we have to have Doctor Watson there because Doctor Watson is a little bit more open minded, um, but a lot of his a lot of his leaning towards something spooky or supernatural goes with his observations right so so watson has the ability which holmes disdains of coming to conclusions before all the facts are in and being influenced by um assumptions right Um, and and you see this at the beginning when when holmes calls her an idiot um which is foreshadowing i think for you know how watson is able to push forward the theory that yes there's this black dog that haunts the Baskervilles. And um, I, I, you just can't do that with, with Holmes because Holmes would laugh at every turn. Right. Yes. Yeah. And he would laugh at every turn. Ha ha. That's uh, because, you know, in, in Doyle's Holmes um, is kind of an arrogant shithead. Yes. It's his most endearing quality. So, um, it's it's weird. A lot of people, just as an aside, I think a lot of people know who Holmes is and recognize Holmes. Uh, most people picture Basil Rathbone until probably recently, where now they picture um, uh, Tony Stark. Uh, well, or or uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how many people have actually sat down and read unabridged copies of. Um, the original home stories. Um, 
Uh, it's hard to say. I've, you know, I'm not going to make any assumptions. A lot of people do seem to read Holmes because it's a still a thriving fan community. Um, well, it, it is, but uh, but like fr- thriving fan communities definitely go off the uh, off the target from the original, the, yeah, the original well, source material. Um, you know, and not just like in mo- movie adaptations and stuff, but um, you know. Well, Jesus Christ. I mean, you're in the Lovecraft community. <laughs> yeah. yeah Canon is like. Bow, 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 bow. Well, Canon is also covered by copyright from the Doyle estate. So. No, that very true. But what I'm saying is that. Um, that. Things that aren't part of. Um, Doyle's written word have become part of Sherlock Holmes, um, you know, just assumptions. Right, right. The the fabric that is the myth of the Holmes character. Right. Uh, things like, you know, the game is afoot, which I think he said once. Mm-hmm. Uh, elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary, my dear Watson, which, which I don't think he ever says. No, he never, in, in never says that. Um, so you, you, there are certain... Uh, fan assumptions of Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. that are made. The the calabash. Right. So right. Um, Holmes Holmes was an avid chain smoker, not not a pipe smoker. Right. Um both. He smoked pipes when he was thinking, but mm-hmm. he had different different pipes for different things. Right. Uh he also uh shot up cocaine when he got bored. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he but, did but they make a big deal of that it's only mentioned i think twice mm-hmm. in in the stories so it's not dwelt on but somehow it's like a big thing of his mm-hmm. you know in in fandom right he was also a practitioner of bartitsu which was a uh, hybrid of uh boxing Jiu-jitsu and uh, like cudgel fighting. I don't so, know about that. Yep, it was mentioned in uh, Empty House. How how Holmes survived the final problem. Ah, okay. So, uh, so he has more than a little knowledge of Bartitsu and is able to handle himself. So <laughs> there's a lot of things about Holmes that are assumptions that don't really haven't really happened outside of non Conan Doyle um, sources. Right. But this story would not have worked with Holmes being throughout the entire novel. No, which is, it's strange because I mean, this is like the return. Mm-hmm. Well, not literally because there's a short story collection called the return of Sherlock Holmes. Right. But this predates it. Um, you know, and this is the story the fans want, and they just don't give the fans much of what they want. You have a significant portion of this story is uh, John Watson mm-hmm. uh, doing the legwork. Right. Right. And it's interesting, you know, we talk about the uh, the legacy of Holmes, you know, being filled in by all of these other forms of media, these later depictions of the character. Uh but really, Holmes himself, as a character, is rather mythological because 
we are hearing about Holmes through the lens of John Watson, who is that's, very impressed with the man. That's true as well. There's only a few stories that are uh, taken from the point of view of Holmes himself. Most most are Watson. And in canon, uh, Sherlock Holmes is not a huge fan of Watson's um, writings. Right. Uh, because they are more adventure story as opposed to um, procedural. Right. So Holmes feels the value of these stories is in the procedure and the methodology used to solve these crimes. Mm-hmm. He has a very mysteries as opposed to um, the thrill that right. you know we enjoy reading adventure stories. Right. Exactly. Holmes, Watson is there to uh, he's 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 a writer and he's probably a fan of adventure stories himself. And he's writing his adventures with Holmes as adventure stories, whereas Holmes would probably write it as a uh, academic paper. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, at first, Holmes does not want to take the case of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Just he doesn't care. It's like I don't have time for supernatural hoo ha. Right. I've got cocaine to shoot. I've got. Um, <laughs> no, he was working on a case, another case of. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> I, th- I think it was um, a blackmail case. Right, right, what whatever. What an important tome de ha. He was just he was just using that as an excuse to shoot up some more cocaine. <laughs> I got a sorry, Holmes. I've got to score an eight ball. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you later. <laughs> uh, so he said. So after getting to know. The uh, new heir to the Baskervilles, who uh, is an American. Yeah, more or less an American. Yeah. Uh, Holmes is rather intrigued, but still doesn't want to take the case as the blackmail thing. is like probably pays better. If you consider uh, Canadians American. Well, okay. He's <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> he probably moved to Canada after like not liking the uh, political situation in America and had enough money to do so. Oh, abandoning yeah. his fellows. Yeah. Where he was making a uh, living as a graphic designer. Yes, probably. Ah, yes. Back in the old days of graphic design. Using all the money he made from, from uh, trading card games and um, <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't think that's I don't think that's Yes, Baskerville was a coward. <laughs> he was well, Canadian. he was a bit of a coward. Um, he was Canadian. Right. However, someone attacks the new Lord Baskerville Sir Baskerville. Um and that gets Holmes's attention. Yes. And uh, so Holmes, Holmes basically says, give me 24 hours to think of over. Meet me in 24 hours um, and we'll see what we can do. Right. And 24 hours later, um, well, it was, not only was he attacked, which is kind of like eh, part of the course, but one of his shoes got stolen. Mm-hmm. One of his boots got stolen from the hotel. He brought right. a brand new pair of boots and was going to have them polished up by the hotel staff, um, set them out in front of his door. And one of them was missing. Right, and I think that more than anything intrigues Holmes because that's kind of Holmes's thing. 
Right. He doesn't is. care that there's dead bodies or people dying or people under attack. Holmes cares about like the oddities mm -hmm. and a man's boot getting stolen and nothing else getting stolen on top of um, a murder mm -hmm. and, and, you know, uh, an heir coming in from Canada. Now that that's something to think about. Right. Right. He is a very much a connoisseur of crime. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, just a regular crime, the regular detectives can handle that. He That's right. takes the odd stuff. Right. The stuff Let's, that isn't as apparent. Right. Lestrade can handle all the light work. I want the shit where, you know, a guy's boots been stolen. Now we have a a guy that's been frightened to death by a dog. And someone has been following this man around pretending to be me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? If I didn't read a lot of this shit, that would be kind of cool. Right. But it was kind of like, here it comes. What was what was the guy's name who hired you, Mr. Mr. Uh, Caddy? He said his name was Sherlock Holmes. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it was like, oh, right. Indeed. The plot thickens. So you kind of knew that. And, and it does serve the purpose that you know, the guy's clever. Mm -hmm. He wasn't no Napoleon of crime. Right. But he was diabolically clever. Um, which also is intriguing to Holmes because mm -hmm. he is of the superior intellect and um, enjoys the challenge of a peer. Mm -hmm. Yes, certainly a masterful criminal who is worthy of our steel. Yes. The boot thing. Well, I think the boot was kind of weak. It was pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. um, especially when later on, a used that boot gets replaced, right? And a used boot gets stolen, right? And you're kind of like, Oh, hound boot, right? What hound, can, what could possibly be going on? I think that the that once that happens, obviously, you as a reader who knows anything about how dogs work mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of puts two and two together. And, and at this point, you realize, Oh, it's not going to be a ghost dog. Right. But, and I think Holmes puts that together and is like, ah, well, there's a mystery here. Um, he, he knows what is going on, kind of, how is this happening? And I think to, to Holmes, that is the exciting part. Right. But to a reader, how do you excite the reader? True. Well, you excite the reader by having Holmes say, John, I've got to wrap up this blackmail case. You go out to. to uh, <laughs> right. Sorry sorry. About the, sorry about the whole idiot thing. You're a capable man. <laughs> You're quite out. a capable man. <laughs> Head go out to Devonshire. And, and do this, 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 and that. And he does give him instructions. You are to, you're to you know, stay on Baskerville 24 7, like white on rice. Mm -hmm. um, interview these neighbors. Um, right. 
You know enough about how we do things to go out there and do things on your own. Yeah, so, he actually says, you know my methodology. Right. So in in that way, it's it's also interesting because this is the first time, really, we see Watson go off by himself. Right. And which it, is, it's, you know, it's weird. Trust me. It's not too weird because Collins is constantly um, hiring subcontractors to, to do a lot of the legwork for it. Yes. Baker Street um, regulars. Yeah. Well, he actually does it earlier in this story. He ha- hires a uh, kid from the cab company to go to um, all the hotels mm-hmm. in a 20 block radius or whatever and go through the trash. Right. Um, here's, here's some money, bribe, bribe the porter mm-hmm. if you need to, but you need to go through the trash because there was a mysterious note. There was a mysterious note, and Holmes deduced exactly what newspaper it came from. Yes, by the font. Mm-hmm. T- the typeset. It was Comic Sans. So, hence, it can only be... Only, only the Times would use Comic Sans. But more or less, that's what happened. So, he wants us to find this particular um, paper with words cut out of the lead article. Mm-hmm. Because that's really the first physical clue would be right. to examine that newspaper. Yes. Uh, Watson makes his way to Devonshire, uh, sets himself up in the uh, Baskerville Hall, which is a creepy house in a creepy location. Fogs, yes. lonely moors, very uh, picturesque in a way, and very reminiscent of... Uh, You're going to say it. Of Poe. Of Poe. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to even uh, mention Pugmire again. Yeah, same um, thing. I mean, uh, not exactly, but yeah. Right. It, it's got that like a uh, country gothic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that um, at by night, um, House Baskerville is a, a gloomy, you know, um, close, close place. And by day, it's great. Mm -hmm. Lots of windows, lots of light pouring in. When the sun goes down, it's shit. (laughs) (laughs) You're huddled. You have to huddle a lot in Baskerville Hall. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's intrigue uh, going on. Once the sun comes up, it's party time. Yeah. Well, there's intrigue going on within the confines of um, Baskerville Hall, uh, which I think... It's funny because I used to think this was a very modern technique, but there is a um, a sub mystery, a subplot in this thing mm-hmm. uh, with an escaped criminal that has some intrigue going on within the confines of Baskerville Hall, and the um, the solution to that little problem turns out to be a plot point in the greater mystery, right? Which is something you kind of see like on uh, modern shows like uh, cw shows do it all the time the red herring or the plot points it's, that but it's not like over. a red herring exactly it's a unrelated plot point that intersects with the main plot mm-hmm. but it does kind of function as a red herring because no, you know, it does I, yes because you know you think okay and it's a deliberate red herring and it's kind of like one of those like Kind of like uh, the Scooby-Doo character. Uh, I think it was like the show in the 80s, a pup named Scooby-Doo, where Fred's rival is actually named 
red herring. Red herring, yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, <laughs> you, but you kind of need that. There's a couple reasons you need it. First off, it's a novel length thing. You need more than a short, you know, uh, 50 page Sherlock Holmes mystery. Mm -hmm. And you need to, uh, you need to add something in there so that the people who think they've got the entire thing figured out, like Holmes in the first chapter, go, hmm, maybe there's more to this. Right. Uh, there's a very limited amount of characters, suspects. Mm -hmm. so you don't have like an acre of people who could have done it. There's only like three people, really, right. who, who are suspects. And so you have to kind of have reasons to to suspect uh, the other characters aside from the one who actually did it. And the other thing is, if you read um, The Study in Scarlet and Son of the Four, mm -hmm. there are a, there's a huge chunk in each of those that is devoted to this elaborate backstory of uh, what's going on mm -hmm. that is revealed at some right. point. As a matter of fact, in uh, A Study in Scarlet, it's jarring because you, you know, you go from like this, uh, the London streets and the seedy maze of, of, uh, you know, of, of the criminal underworld of London to the American West, just like that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're hearing the tale of the, these Mormons. <laughs> right. And you're like, what the fuck? Am I still reading the same story? Right. And uh, Sign of the Four does the same thing in, I think, Calcutta. It's not as jarring, but it does do that same thing. You have like this huge chunk of this book, which is dedicated to this is what this is the background, right? And 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 it's revealed to you, right? And, and I think that might be a, a side effect of the media, of the medium that it was published in. It in right because it was serialized, right? Uh, I don't remember if the Strand was weekly or daily. But uh, you know, you had to you had to fill the column, right? And and were... this and this one doesn't have that huge um, just chunk of, of background information, right? Going on, you, yes, you get a little of it, but it's very short. Mm -hmm. It's not like half the book, right? You all, a lot of the quote-unquote filler of this story is Watson's descriptions of everything. Yeah. It's, uh, because, it's yeah because of the uh, the device of sending these missives back to Holmes, he's uh, being very careful to detail. Right. And giving, you know, small details, but also kind of poetic impressions of the area and the people he's dealing with as well. Mm -hmm. There's the whole thing of the... Uh, of the, uh, what is it? Not the, the, um, damn it. <sighs> Drowning in the bog. Yes. I want to say dog and the dog did or was supposed to, but didn't, oh man, what was it? It got caught in the bog and it was like crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause the, that's the other thing. One of the huge, I, you know, characters is the scenery of the moor. Right. Because uh, it is such an exotic thing, um, especially for people who would be in London or for, you know, me. Mm -hmm. 
to have like this expanse of just, you know, grassland um, where you have, it was a horse. Thank you. It was a horse mm. where you have um, sheep grazing and horses uh, going back and forth. Um, and then you have, you know, it, whole areas of marshland just in the, stuck in the middle of this that you can get lost in. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, and, and, and ruins of, um, of Celtic groups. Yes. It's like, just like littering the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, just really cool. And, and how it's just that setting alone, you know, at night becomes really, really spooky as well and adds to the, the whole um, just atmosphere right. of, of, of having this spectral dog, the hound be believable. Because really, everybody <clears throat> believes in it. Everybody. Right. It's the local legend. Everybody believes in this. And the the landscape really helps toward preserving that, that mythology. That, you know, this is the kind of place where such a thing, if it did exist, would live. Yeah, it's, it's basically the wild in the middle of civilization. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is your your you know your Barrow Downs, mm-hmm. if you want to like go token on everything, but or or even even to a um, more contemporary extent, I mean, a few years later, uh, your uh, Dunwich. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, this is like the 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 point um, where civilization kind of decays. Mm-hmm. And and there's like a connection to like this this mythical past, and you know not everything is fairies and uh, leprechauns, right? No, we've got demon dogs that stalk one particular family because one <laughs> well, dude. I'm was sure a there's like animal. a bunch of different ones. It's a big moor, but you know this particular part of Devonshire has the Baskervilles, and right? So we have, have their hound. <laughs> So we have Watson there, and Watson is relaying this as the typical protagonist of a piece of weird fiction would, or or supernatural fiction, ghost story, gothic literature, whatever you want to call it, except for one thing, and that is that Watson will bust a cap in you at his first opportunity. Yes, he will. <laughs> Watson goes everywhere with his fucking service revolver. That's right. Holmes even said, do you have your gun? Always. <laughs> now, and I'll tell you this, that, what you just said, is not um, something that has only been said once <laughs> in, in uh, Sherlock Holmes literature. That's right. That happens quite a lot. Dr. Watson is the sidekick because he is always strapped. Yes. I think, uh, I think Holmes went around strapped in this one as well. Yeah, he brought a gun. And uh, I do, I, I liked Lestrade's Well, bit. I mean, I'll tell you, it's like going to, to New Hampshire or something. You got to bring the gun. You never know. That's right. <laughs> you never know what's going to fucking happen. Better to have it and not need it, they say. But I liked Stra- Lestrade's uh, little speech. You know, when Holmes asked him if he brought a weapon, he's like, I've got pants. I've got these pants. pants. <laughs> they have pockets. There's gonna be something in my pocket. <laughs> I like the Strat. The Strat's all right. Yeah. <laughs> he, now that's another thing. The Strat gets a bad rap in um 
extra Doyle Holmes literature. And, you know, he's like, he's not the brightest bulb, but he's not like, he's not the, the competition or, you know, he's not an antagonist to Holmes. Right. But he ends up um, playing that role a lot. He's, I, he's I, a good I, cop. Yeah. And I, I preferred in the, the modern series with Cumberbatch, Lestrade was, you know, shown as one of the few competent detectives at Scotland Yard. Well, that's how he's portrayed in, in these. Right. And and Holmes, he you know, he only gets involved with Holmes when a case is like really weird. Yeah. And it defies conventional explanation. Yeah. But he's the butt of a lot of Holmes insults as well. Well, that's everybody. Mm -hmm. I think well, that's true. everybody but um, his brother and um, probably Moriarty. Right. Well, you know, Mycroft is the smarter one. He is. He's <laughs> just lazy. Right. <laughs> I just thought that was great. <laughs> Not in this story. Different story. Yeah. Yeah. Mycroft doesn't show up here. Okay, so Watson is there. He's relaying the information. He is putting together all the facts uh, as he gets them, and he is the person disseminating these facts uh, to the reader as he discovers them, rather yeah. than you know Holmes telling us everything after the fact. Usually what you get is um, Holmes, Watson dis just describing the process of mm -hmm. what's going on, and you have Holmes the character Holmes in Watson's um, uh, um, pen uh, interpreting things and telling him what's going on with mm -hmm. this. You don't have that because there's no Holmes. Right. So how do you convey the observations of a lesser observer? You make sure he's trying his best <laughs> to impress Holmes. That's right. He's being extra, extra careful because he doesn't want to cock things up. Right. So Holmes is investigating. He has a he has a few interesting little side missions here, like the the whole thing with the escaped convict. Uh, Holmes well, you, gets you, to or Watson gets to carry that story to its conclusion. Right. Well, you do get all the clues. Mm -hmm. All the information that you need is laid out for you by Watson. You have um, escape conflict. Mm -hmm. You have a town coot um, whose daughter is desperately trying to get away from um, him and her husband. Mm -hmm. And then you have the crazy phrenologist. Right. Uh, that's Dr. Um, Mortimer, who is a phrenologist. Who right. Almost obsessive. Skull, skull shapes. Right. Almost obsessed, as obsessive about phrenology as Holmes is about crime. Yes. You and have, you ha have um, Sir what, Henry uh, himself. Right. Who is like, a, who, he's rich and he acts like this rich, foppish kind of guy, but he's also like, completely out of his element here he's right. never he, been to this country he's definitely no he has when he was when he was you know he left when he was very young right but you know devonshire was completely new you know alien to him yeah i mean they they gave him um 
he he became an American. He was ready to to you know go after the bad guys and uh, you know fight them, take them down with his bare hands. Yes, definitely had that uh, cowboy American appeal. Right. It's like we're going after a criminal. Watson, what do you have? I got my strap, son. What do you have? I have a hunting crop. <laughs> He's just going to beat the shit out of this guy. I'm going to give him a whipping. Because I'm Canadian. And then I'm going to apologize. <laughs> sorry, old bean. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. And then you have the naturalist. Yes. Stapleton. Stapleton. The neighbor of the Baskervilles. Yes. And his rather attractive sister. Yes. And that's all we're going to say about that. That's right. Because even though it's a hundred year old book. Because if you read <laughs> it, you already know. And right. if you haven't read it, it's pretty cool. Right. So you don't want to, you don't want to get it spoiled. Right. The whole the whole plot is 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 rather interesting. And it um, is a mystery story. So you don't want to like you don't want to spoil a mystery story. Um he even but Doyle likes to turn tropes on their head. Uh the epistolary style that he was using for uh Hound of the Baskervilles had already gone out of fashion. Uh, by the time he wrote this, and he, so he was like thumbing his nose at the literary establishment by doing this Fuck you, older Dracula. style. Right, he was doing this older style of of writing uh, for Hound of the Baskervilles. Uh, he also kind of subverts the Butler did it trope. Yes, because he makes you now. We'll give you that. Um, he definitely makes you. He makes a uh, convincing, not argument. case. Yeah, that that it could possibly be the butler, right? Because the butler is doing some shady shit. Mm -hmm. The butler's doing some shady shit, but you know, he turn he kind of flips it on you. The butler has nothing to do with it, right? His now, shady we, shit is unrelated. Now we have said because we're not going to tell you who did it or why or any of that, but we have said that the, that you know there's no there's no black dog. Right. Yeah. Not not like a ghost dog. There is a dog, mm -hmm. and how it was done is really fucking cool. Yes. yes what it was. actually happens is really fucking cool. Right. So the guy who who did it bought the biggest, meanest, blackest dog he could find. Right. <laughs> Mistreated it. And like kept it in a in like an inescapable island on an inescapable island in the middle of the bog, half right. starving it, half starving and, it, and then giving it a dye job with phosphorus. Yeah, so it looked like spooky, and then gave the mangy boot to it. <laughs> Go get a Baskerville. That's right. <laughs> so. And Total Scooby Doo. I mean that that is Scooby. That's every Scooby Doo mm -hmm. ever. Down except to the for, except for the, the new movie. ones where they actually had, were fighting ghosts, right? Actual ghosts, but even even down to the the reason why the villain was 
committing this crime or uh, unleashing this plot was yeah, exactly yeah. the plot of a Scooby-Doo story. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for Sherlock fucking Holmes. For that large beaked cokehead and his uh, <laughs> trigger happy friend. <laughs> Yeah. So, I, you know what? I'm glad I, I read this again. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, Holmes Holmes is always a lot of fun just because, you know, he's like, he's held in such high regard, but he's such an ass. Yeah, I mean, he is certainly nothing like the way he's built up to be um, in popular culture. Maybe the, the, the modern um, Cumberbatch stuff. From what I understand, he was kind of a dick in that. High-functioning sociopath is uh, how he calls himself. Yeah, I don't know if I go that far in this, but he is definitely like he's obsessed. He cares. He cares about one thing, and that is solving the crimes. Right, the mystery. Not really caring about the victim. Not really caring about uh, you know anybody who gets hurt along the way. Well, I'm not caring about the legality. Mm. Uh, there are some stories where he figures out what's going on and lets a criminal go because you know it would hurt the reputations of important people, or it's the right thing to do. Right. I mean, he he has a moral compass, mm -hmm. and his moral compass isn't always. Um, aligned with what the law is right not the letter of the law right so i mean he will let you know he's let murderers go because of um what what will be revealed or the person who was murdered was such a shit mm -hmm. <laughs> that you know society is much better off without them. you did us a service my good man <laughs> you know it would ruin your life if i turned you in but the guy you killed was such an asshole. Right. I'll tell you what. Leave England. Go to Australia. Right. We shall never speak of this again. Absolutely. But there it is. The Hound of the Baskervilles. Um, yeah. Novel of Sherlock Holmes by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah. Uh, That'll do it for this week's episode. Well, actually, it won't. Oh, what? We just oh, want, I just wanted to like uh, say two things. Okay, go for it. Sorry. Uh, so well, as of the time we recorded this, we saw the passing of uh, Gene Wolfe. Yes. Uh, so I want to, you know, we'll be dealing with that in the near future um, on the show. But Gene Wolfe is one of my favorite authors. People who've listened to the show know that. So uh, just wanted to acknowledge that and also uh the passing of kazuo koike who um is one of my favorite manga authors and one of yours as well yes um, um, wolf Sam and cub samurai executioner mm -hmm. as well as uh uh lady S snow blood mm -hmm. is that what it's called i think yeah. so yeah so I mean, he's written some like the if you are interested in all about edo period japan and how it worked Mm -hmm. Like how stuff functioned. Read, um, read Lone Wolf and Cub, Samurai Executioner, because he goes into detail about the cultural aspects of life in Edo, not just the sword play and the samurais and all that great stuff. So, right, um, yeah, just 
two two in one week. Well, well three. Three. Because we lost uh, Lupin the Third's creator, Monkey Punch, as well. Yeah, so it's just been it's been a long week. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough week if you're a fan of, of these sorts of things. Um you know, Gene Wolf, I know, hit Steve pretty hard. And, yeah, which is weird because he's like probably as a person stood against everything I stand for, but I just love his writing. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was a pretty great writer. And uh yeah, we will be doing uh, a tribute to Gene Wolf later. So that now that does it for this week's episode. Yeah, so keep 30 luck points. That's right. 